Did you know that for every 60 seconds, for every 60 seconds that you are angry, you lose one minute of happiness? <laughs> yeah, let's just let that sink in for a minute. For every, every minute, let's put it this way, for every minute that you are angry, you actually lose 60 seconds of happiness. The truth is, you risk losing a lot more than that. Uh, uh, anger is one letter short of danger. And for good reason, because anger can be dangerous. So I want, I'm going to preface this tonight by saying not only do I want to challenge you men about your anger, I want you to I want to challenge you on what on the, the what you allow in terms of anger in your households or your your relationships. Yeah, um, many men have a real problem with anger. Many Christian men have a real problem with anger, and most of the time they conceal it from others. And the people that are most aware of the anger that they struggle with are those closest to them. Many, most men are at least more familiar with anger than they would like. Have you ever been more familiar with anger than you prefer? If we're, the truth is, as men, if we're going to get into a mess or we're going to cause a mess, our anger usually is a chief culprit. But James chapter 1 and verse 20 says, The anger of man, everybody say of man, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. In other words, you can't get from here to there. You can't get from, from here to there. You're not going to... Uh, you're not going to get to God. You are just, there's no way to get to the righteousness of God from a place of your own anger. It, your anger cannot achieve righteousness. It does not. It never will. It will never turn. When you are tempted to become angry or to lose your temper, remember this. It will never turn out right. It will always turn out wrong. Always. Do you ever feel like you're looking for, I mean, nobody wants to admit this, but just do you ever, have you ever, I'll say, I know I have felt at times, and it happens fast, that I'm almost, sometimes I look for a good reason to be angry. Like I feel a frustration, and I think, well, this is it. This is my chance to be angry. And then I just go ahead and let it out. I was, uh, I was uh, um, before service tonight, about two hours before service, I received some news that, that frustrated me. And I had just been meditating on this, and I, so I kind of stood outside myself and thought, well, there it is. Look at that. There's a frustrated goal. Now I want to be angry about it because I have been inconvenienced. And uh, so I recognized it and was processing it, and Laura said, hey, what's on your mind? I said, you know what? I actually feel kind of angry right now, and uh, it's, it's not going to do any good to talk about it. I'm just going to have to let this go. And she said, well, is everything okay? I said, everything's okay at the house. So then I get in the car, and I'm pedaling down a highway, you know, the avenue, and I get onto the... I get on a Highway 14 and minding my own business, I'm going to turn on my blinker and merge into the into the middle lane there on 14. And wouldn't you know it? This this precious um, this precious Lexus SUV also wanted into my lane at the same time as me, but didn't put on their blinker, just laid on their horn, and was kind of 
you know, and I thought, you know, I really have a, a specific leading right now to run that Lexus off the road. <laughs> and uh, but the whole time I've got, you know, I'm like standing outside of myself watching myself go, oh, yeah, this is how it works. You get a little bit frustrated, then you get a little bit more frustrated. And then eventually you think this is it. This is my opportunity. I'm going to just let my anger fly. Uh, but here's the thing. No matter what, your anger, your anger that's based upon those things, it will never produce righteousness. So what do we do? What do we do? We recognize that men have struggled with it. We recognize some of you might have recognized, maybe you hide it well, but here's the deal. What do we do about it? Here's what we do. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, he says, be angry and yet, 4, 26 and 27, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger in verse 25, verse 27 rather, and do not give the devil an opportunity or a place. Wow. Let's just, break, let's just walk through that a little bit. Paul starts off by saying, be angry. You know, that's actually an imperative. As if, as if it's a, be angry. Everybody say, be angry. He doesn't say, get mad, <laughs> but be angry. He actually is telling us right away that, that anger has a place. You, you gotta, you gotta under, we have, we've got to grasp uh, the, the, this truth. Anger does have a place. It should have a place in our lives. See law. Kind of think about that for just a second. But recognize that Paul also says, be angry and sin not. He understands that although anger should have a place, it does have a place, it can also very, very easily lead us into sin. We, the propensity for anger to become danger has to be removed. That propensity has to be cleansed from our lives. It can be. But first, we've got to recognize this. Anger is not evil. Anger, <laughs> anger comes from God. God's anger is the necessary result of His love and His holiness. His nature requires him to take action against sin and against that which is destructive or unjust. Right, but the Bible says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. And his wrath is justly poured out against that which is unjust. But here's the deal. His wrath has been completely poured out upon Jesus Christ. Now, all who take refuge in Christ are covered by him. And here's the, the good news and the, the sad news. All who do not take refuge under Christ are still candidates for a final judgment of the wrath of God. Therefore, we choose in this room, I know all of you have, we choose to trust in Christ's work. Our choice is to, to trust that Christ took that wrath or to take it ourselves. And that's why don't let folks get all turn into hippies on you and say that God is a God of love and he doesn't have any wrath. Listen, it is God's love that requires his wrath. Because the problem is it's called anthropomorphizing God, recreating God in our own image. When we say God can't be a God of wrath, what we mean is God can't be mad like I get mad. And he doesn't get mad like you get mad. He gets mad like he gets mad, which is against injustice against evil. He doesn't get mad because he got cut off on the freeway. 
because the remote won't work. <laughs> right? That's man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. But God's wrath, so listen, you've got to embrace this. Don't, don't buy into or let anybody else try to sell or push this idea, oh, a God of love will never be a God of wrath. On the, say, no, no, no. Actually, his wrath is required because of his love. He loves us too much to just put up with and tolerate the evil and destruction that would wreak havoc in our lives. God actually hates the suffering caused by sin and evil. And the fact that you and I have the capacity, particularly as men, to feel anger is because you and I were made in the image of God. So you should feel angry at injustice. You should feel angry at injustice, at wrong. You should feel angry when the law of love is transgressed. You should feel angry when the innocent are being oppressed. You know, I, I, would, I, you know, I, I would pity the fool who would har- try to harm a child in front of Ray. Am I right? Bonk, right? There would be, Ray's not going to be like, oh, hey, man, and be, no. There's a righteous and a correct anger that comes up, that, that responds. These, the a- anger is a gift from God to motivate us to right what is wrong. Does that make sense? It is a gift from God it, because, you know, your, 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 Sunday, your, your Sunday afternoon happy calm self has no motivation to right what is wrong. God gives you this gift. He shares part of his nature with you, his image bearer, so that you will have a passion to right what is wrong as stewards of this earth and, and, and now stewards of his kingdom. That's why we have things that are called mad and sad that's why we had, the refer- we had to celebrate the Reformation. People finally had enough of enough of enough. That's why some- somebody had to get angry enough to do something about slavery. Anger moves us to fight injustice. That's why Paul can say, be angry. But sin not. And here's the rest of it. Here's the problem is sin. We were created in the image of God as image bearers, and he shares his attributes so that we will have this motivation to right what is wrong, but sin. Sin has twisted, has affected, has perverted our sense of justice. And more often than not, our sense of justice shrinks down to just me. That bubble of justice shrinks right about to the size of us. Sin has caused our anger to become egocentric instead of theocentric. Instead of caring about God and, his, and what, what, what he says is right and wrong, now anger usually re- simply results from our own, what, they, what psychologists call, blocked goals. I have a goal, I have a desire, something's getting in my way, therefore we feel angry. That's called just me, not just us. <laughs> Justice, that's God's thing. Just me, that's man's anger. When we feel threatened or when we perceive that we've been wrong, when we're stuck in traffic, when, 
when the computer stops working, when, there's, when people in our family don't do what we want them to do, how we want them to do it, when we want them to do it. Have you ever, have you ever usually this idea, so what, the, the, the idea of injustice means something's not fair, except for that ever since we were little, the term not fair usually is applied to me. That's not fair for me. Not fair usually is about us not getting our way more than it is about correcting what is right or correcting what is wrong. We've, I said this before on a Sunday morning. Men, when we, to, the word temper has to do with the strength of a metal. A temper has to do with a metal strength, its temper. And if metal loses its temper, it's no longer strong. Its strength gives way, right? It's weak. So the idea of losing your temper, when a man loses his temper, it's not a sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness. Anger is not, oh, good, I get to lose my temper. That's, those things are different. Anger is a righteous motivation to correct something that is wrong. It is not to lash out in, un, in, in something that is uncontrolled. It is not to respond. We don't, over, we don't remember, we aren't, we aren't overcome by evil. We overcome evil with good. We also, as men, frankly, we don't, we don't handle fear very well. And most of the time as men, we mask our fear with anger. Instead of being honest with ourselves or our family or our brothers that we're afraid. Something has caused us to feel afraid. We, men tend to mask that with anger. Or, and even worse, we tend to react with anger when we feel that it has been directed at us. Uh, man's anger, that kind of anger usually carries with it, when, especially when it's polluted, it carries with it the idea of an intent to harm. If Jay feels like I'm, act, like he, he kidded me earlier, he said, I know you, know you got mad at me because uh, he changed the song I was playing. Well, he, he didn't really mean that I was angry because he didn't feel that I intended to harm him, right? But that's when, when, when but you know, that person that is, that when their, their face changes and they're leaning in towards you and when your voice is raised and oftentimes your hand gets clenched, you feel that idea that you, you, you feel or perceive anger sends the signal, someone wants to do me harm. And our natural response then, when we feel like someone's angry with us, is to be angry in return. And when men get angry, we have, one, we have basically two directions, and they can go in either extreme. Men either withdraw or they get more aggressive. We either, we either, we, we, that's called fight or flight, right? We aggressive to fight or we take off out of there. We attack or we withdraw. We, 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 we have, there's with violence or with distance. And ultimately, and sadly, those extremes manifest themselves in murder or suicide. Thus, anger can be real danger. So powerfully has sin hijacked anger. This, that, this thing that God intended to give us to, to, to right what is wrong, so powerfully has sin hijacked this thing. We shouldn't be surprised that sin hijacks things that are gifts. Nobody, is, nobody would be surprised if I said that sin hijacked uh, the desire for sexual intimacy. We all know that that's been hijacked and polluted to the, 
to the absolute extreme. Well, the enemy doesn't have just one thing he likes to hijack and, and pervert. He's also polluted this gift. So powerfully has sin hijacked anger that Scripture warns time and again of its danger. Proverbs 14, 17 says, A quick-tempered man, or a man who is quick to lose his temper, acts foolishly. A man who does not control, Proverbs 25, 28, a man who does not control his temper is like a city whose wall is broken down. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his anger. More often than not, actually the scripture attributes a, a, an, a, a, an anger problem or, a, or a, a loose or a quick anger to a fool. Ecclesiastes 7, 9, don't let your spirit rush to be angry, for anger abides in the heart of fools. Finally, one of the verses we began with tonight is James, James 1, 19 and 20. My, and here it is, my dearly loved brothers. Now, I know that most of the New Testament uses the male Adelphi, and it means brothers and sisters, but, I, but as long as we're just men in the room, James is talking to us. My dearly loved brothers, if you're a brother, say that's me. Okay, my dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. This consistent theme in the scripture is that righteous anger, God's kind of anger, is never the result of a short fuse. Sin is almost certainly present when anger is quick. Anger, that kind of anger, that quick temper is never a step in the right direction. It will, it will, it is a, it will lead to foolishness. Your anger will get it wrong. Say that out loud with me, please. My anger will get it wrong. My anger will get it wrong. Righteous anger, I know, I, I've talked about, I remember talking about this years ago, and I had a guy, you know, just want to, almost want to come to the defense and say, well, what about righteous indignation? That's, that's true. Well, here's the deal. Righteous anger is never instant. It's never instant. Instant anger comes from fear or living on simber. Righteous anger is motivated by love and requires courage. So don't look for good reasons to get angry. Paul finishes that passage in Ephesians by saying, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then he says, do not reserve a place of influence for the devil. Wow. Paul says that there's further danger. It's not, not just in, in the immediate foolishness of losing my temper. There's a danger in long-term anger. Listen to me, men. There's a, your bodies were not meant to house, to contain these poisons. Paul says that if we give, if we let, if we let anger linger, it gives the devil a foothold, a handle, a reserved place of influence or leverage in your life. What happens when we let anger linger longer? Well, the first thing that happens is that there's actually health problems. The constant flood of stress chemicals and associated metabolic changes that accompany recurrent unmanaged anger 
can eventually cause harm to many different systems of the body. Some of the short and long-term health problems that have been linked to unmanaged anger, are you ready, include things like headaches, digestive problems, abdominal pain, insomnia, anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, skin problems, heart attacks, and strokes. Do not give the devil a foothold. There are psychological effects of, of letting anger linger in our life. Unexpressed and expressed anger, anger hanging on to our life, impacts a person's mental health as well. Studies have linked anger to, sadly, loneliness, chronic anxiety, depression, eating disorders, sleep disorders, obsessive compulsive behavior, and phobias. Anger's harmful effects spill over into our personal and professional lives. It has relational effects. Anger inhibits the development and maintenance of intimate relationships, often resulting in marital and occupational instability. Angry people frequently blow misunderstandings and minor grievances out of proportion. Why? Because just us or justice has been shrunken to just me. People find their their demeanor uh, and their mood unpleasant. Angry people have trouble being effective parents and spouses. Lingering anger can come from resentment, from grudges, from feelings of selfishness or fear. All of these leave the opportunity for hell to run unrestrained in your life. Anger can be a real danger. So Paul says, be angry, but sin not, and don't let sin, or pardon me, don't let anger linger longer. Well, okay. How many are fairly convinced? I am. So how do we keep anger from becoming a danger in our lives? Well, here let, let, let me just give you uh, about three or four things that we can do as men to, uh, to keep anger from becoming dangerous, avoiding this danger. Number one, you all know this. First, the first thing you need to begin to do is recognize what you're feeling. Consciously acknowledge to yourself. When you begin to feel angry, acknowledge, consciously acknowledge to yourself that you're angry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say this. I'm, here I am, my own example tonight. I said to, my, to Laura, I'm feeling a bit angry. You can say to you, I'm angry about this, but what am I going to do? Becoming aware of your anger is necessary if you hope to avoid unrighteousness. Otherwise, you just act like a drunk man. So first of all, recognize what you're feeling. Secondly, restrain. This is so important. Restrain your immediate response. That's almost a golden rule. I don't want to invade upon the golden rule. But my brothers, your first response most of the time is not a faith response. (laughs) So just restrain your immediate response. Avoid common responses. Avoid verbal or physical venting. Avoid the tendency to withdraw or be silent. I don't mean... I don't mean that you shouldn't give yourself space, but that, but that what I mean is one of the things that men do, particularly to punish their families, is to withdraw, to give everybody the, to, to withdraw like you're pouting, to, to punish people. Don't do that. Restrain your immediate response. Thirdly, realize why you're feeling this way. What words, what actions, what happened? How did you get here? What, what invited you? And I'm not going to say, you know what? 
I want you to stop saying or hear, letting people say to you, what, how does that make you feel? Don't, don't, don't let anybody ask you that again. Because you can't, nobody can make you feel. Okay? No one's putting a knife to you saying, feel this way. It's impossible. Feelings are your choice. You can say, how do you feel, but not what makes you feel. You're not a victim. Your feelings are not in charge. You are. Hello, manly men. Your feelings are not in charge. You are. You know, your feelings are not the center of you. And I, I mean, I, and I suppose and I, you, nobody wants to feel like I'm, I'm talking to you like a girl or something. But your feelings are not the center of you. Your will is. The center of you is your will. That is your God. That is your that is your God given maidenly. That is imago Dei. You God gave you a free will. That's the one thing He will not He will not take from you. And that's why we surrender to Jesus Christ as an act of our will. That's why worship is an expression of our will. That's why God He doesn't force worship; He receives it. But you, the the center of you is your will, and you decide. Someone say, "I decide." You decide. You decide how you're going to feel. Now, some of you might have gotten to a habit of letting your emotions bully you around, but it's time to man up and decide that you're not going to be bullied by emotion, but you will live by choice. Amen. That is, what's the, that is what the, the Holy Spirit helps us do. That's what's called self-control, means I live by, my, by a decision of my will, not by the breeze of emotions. Amen. So, you, that's, so it's okay to stop and, and use my will to say, hey, wait a minute. What, why am I feeling this way? What, what's happened, whether it's another person or a situation or, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. One of the things that uh, causes me or causes, invites me, I'll use that word. One of the things that really gives me opportunity to be frustrated is um, uh, things that little small things that won't work when they're supposed to, and I, I can just feel myself going. Kah, 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 kah. Uh, what, before I left for Cuba, my car, the the the, the ignition cylinder. You know, where you stick the key in, it, it locked and it wouldn't move. I'd stick the key in there and it wouldn't move, and it was this tiny little piece of a thing, and it wouldn't do what it was supposed to do. And I found myself, I'd stick the key in there, and sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. But you know, in some cars, you wiggle the steering wheel, and the thing comes up. No, 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 nothing that easy. No, 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 no. So and my daughter's with me, and I can feel my, my heart going, boom, 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 boom. And I can feel the heat come crawling up the back of my neck. And I would open up the car door and to let the cold air on me while I'm trying to turn the key. And she'd look at me, and I'm saying, baby, I'm just trying to get this key to start, but I can open this car door. But then the key would be in there. I'd open the car door, and then it would ding, 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 ding because the key is the thing, so I'm going to pull the key out, but then I can't start the car. And those kinds of things, those are the things that get me. I want to just stick a stick of dynamite in the car and walk away. Other things I can tolerate, but just those, you know, so, and for you it might be other things, but stop and ask yourself, what is it right now that is giving me opportunity? Yet it, what, what, what has sent me this invitation to anger? And, my, and, and I'm, what, I'm going to decline the invitation, but I need to know what is inviting me. Have, has, ask yourself, have you or someone else really been wronged? Has there been a real injustice committed somewhere? Or did you just perceive it? Get a good, clear, honest look at what's going on. Then review your options. This is so important. Call time out. 
I know you can, get, you can get frustrated at a friend or a family member or a colleague or whatever. But here, ask this question. Does the, act, does the action I am considering right now have any potential for dealing with the wrong and helping a relationship or solving the problem? What can I do that is actually best, particularly if you're, you're upset with a person, what can I do that is best for the person with whom I'm angry? Running them off the road probably isn't best. Ultimately, this, how is this, what I'm considering, is this how I would want to be treated? You might say, well, I didn't lose my temper. I didn't yell. I just talked to my wife like she was dumb. Right? I just talked down to her. I just kind of dismissed her as, she, as if she would. Is that how you would like to be? Finally, resolve to make the best choice. What's the best way I can handle this? It might be letting it go and just releasing the thing to God. And I mean literally letting it go. Lord, I give this to you. Nobody was in, there's no need, you don't need to call Michael the archangel to come and bring justice to my, my case right now. I'll be all right. I release this to you. Or it might require some sort of loving, loving confrontation. Loving confrontation doesn't have to be hostile confrontations. It can actually be talking to an employee that, that missed the mark or talking to a child that missed the mark or trying to clear up a miscommunication with a colleague or a spouse that is loving and not hostile. Right? In a way that is best for them. Right? Uh, but then beyond that, let me give you three more things. Two of them are just... I think helpful. That are they're, they're my opinion. How do we prevent? How do we just keep anger at bay? How do we keep it from becoming a familiar influence in our life? I I think that uh, honestly, a life of praise, a habit of praise. Re, if see, if man's anger is egocentric, it's centered around me then what I need to do is reorient my life back to reality. I need to realign with truth. And what the way, one of the ways I do that is with praise, because praise lifts my eyes to, to God, to His nature, to His ways, to His plans. And it reorients my heart away from this egocentric, where all roads lead to me, and if all roads lead to me, all I'm going to do is end up is getting frustrated. I'm going to live constantly frustrated. But when I realize that it's not, in it, right? Well, maybe they say it this way. Praise reminds us it's not about me. Praise reminds me that I live for Him, that this is all for Him. It reminds me that God is really big and really good and working for my good. And if you'll just spend enough time there, you'll find it's, it, it gets much more difficult to get angry. Because you find that those, those, those impulses to, toward what the, used to make you angry actually don't, they don't resonate with what is true. They don't resonate with what is powerful. They don't resonate with the hope and the joy and the truth that comes from a, a heart and a life of praise. 
The other thing that helps reorient our hearts away from the ego is love. Now, again, maybe that's maybe praise is more macho to emphasize in a men's group, but love is is the most macho of 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 behaviors and attitudes. It's the it's the one that God models for us. But here's the thing: it is exceedingly difficult to be angry and be and act in love at the same time. <laughs> It's one or the other. And that's why the Bible will actually displace that, that sense of love. But on the other hand, if you're thinking, well, I don't want to just let go of this God-given thing. Hey, walk in love and you're far more likely to be available to God when he needs you to right what is wrong. Because, because God's anger is a result of his love. So if you really want to solve a problem, you really want to be an instrument for righteousness, you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to do it with when your life is about you. But if you'll reorient, if you'll, if you'll set the, the, the climate of your life with praise and with love, you will displace the opportunity of selfish human anger from having influence in your life. It'll reorient your heart the right way. Amen. Amen. But honestly, the last thing, though, friends, is that there may be actually, there may actually be, you may just really need to repent. You, you may, there may be men here tonight that just need to take a moment, a few moments maybe, and repent. And you might need to even ask yourself, hey, have I? Have I given place? Have I given a place in my life? Is there lingering anger in my life? Have I entertained that? Have I saved a place for anger? You know, wouldn't it be great to leave here tonight and go ahead and dismiss that, that anger from the table? You don't need to save him a place, save that place, uh, save a place at the table for anger in your life anymore. Wouldn't it be good tonight to just deal with some of that?